which is which is have you have worse. you searched have you earnestly searched for the lint <laughs> is this a, this a uh, christian parallel now <laughs> have you found hey, the lint in your belly button colin <laughs> I, I, i've searched for it i've like stuck my finger in there have you really though have you taken the time <laughs> sat down with your belly button and said where is the lint where is the lint i am trying to find in my life <laughs> and have have god just pick it right out of that belly button for you yeah okay on that note don't ask god to give you belly button lint because he will find ways to like test your examining abilities oh well you're able to find the belly button lint yourself again we come back to james who says nothing nothing that is evil comes from god because god doesn't tempt you with any lint yeah Okay, so if, if you're tempted by the lint, it's the lint in your own belly button. Well, God finds the belly button lint for those who would look for the belly button lint themselves. Right. And, it, and it's going to hurt, but sometimes God needs to prune. It's a process. It, it's, it's the pruning process, the linting process of your belly button. The yes. The linting process. All right. We've, we've pushed that pretty far. So let's, uh, let us, let us uh, move on uh, to the intro, sir. You ready? Sounds good. I'm Zach. I'm Colin. And I'm Bob. And, and welcome, welcome to the, the House Plants Podcast. Podcast. Woo. Yeah. We're here to talk about music, media, and the mission of Jesus. Nice. Okay, so we're back again. Yo, 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 back again. Another video. <laughs> we can do like a YouTube intro. <laughs> no, yo, no, no. Let's like, like and subscribe. Smash that like button. <laughs> like, uh, I need to do like a dumb like five second intro thing that like where it's just what you say for every video. It'd be like, yeah. um, let's see. Something Not a like, word from our sponsors. It'll just be like, yo, 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 welcome back to the channel, my lovely lovelies. And as always, stay <laughs> fresh. All right, we're, we're kicking in with another video. <laughs> All right, enough of that. Um, so uh, we are on a roll here with these biblical figures, would you say, boys? Oh, yeah. I would call this a roll at this point. I would say that this is a very exciting series for we us. Are full on a roll. Like we often do, um, we like center on some some form of like theological discussion uh, that is very like uh, narrow uh, and has more of like a in depth kind of thing, and then other times we'll you know discuss music, movies, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. This is kind of an interesting like flip flop because the biblical figures that we have been talking about have led us to deep theological discussion. Oh yeah, in in the surrounding of this biblical figure, yeah, or two. And so we'll be hitting that back up in a few minutes, but as always, we need to do a little worship first. Absolutely. Always occur. And I just have to say to Zach and um, to, I suppose, myself that I, I felt that the uh, music is has been really great. The, the it's worship. really coming along lately. And I had the pleasure recently of playing alongside Zach at Lighthouse Church. Yeah. Um, if you guys remember, Lighthouse is the church that Harvey Cozart is the pastor of and Zach is the worship leader of. And um, I had the pleasure of playing alongside my boy once more. And we got to play. It was like Holy Spirit fill us. Which yeah. You guys will know from the one of the previous episodes. Uh-huh. What an yeah. amazing song. 
And newer so it's good. And you've got a new song. I'm not sure if it's ready for this episode yet or not. But, it'll be um, it'll be on one of the last couple, so we can talk yeah. about it as if it is already on there because it will yeah. be edited and posted much later but right now it is not uh but we will act like it is yeah so there's a <laughs> there's a song that i'm about to finish up me and zach have been working on and it is called uh your faith and that'll be mm-hmm. really really fun for if you guys have heard that one already uh let us know if you like them let us know yeah. how the music is hitting y'all these that one's days coming along really good at this point so by the time you all hear it it'll be good and then i'm excited to see what we come up with for this one. I've got a few that I've been working on writing. So, so, so I'm not going to say this because it may have been one of them, but we're working. I'm kind of been me and Zach together. Uh, hopefully I'll get Zach more involved, but we're working on this prog song. So hopefully it's mm-hmm. on one of the newer ones, but yeah. Um, all right. So without further ado, let us worship. Your love's better than life. 
God, thank you for um, bringing us together tonight um, through the um, technological ways we can meet together. Um, God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for all that you do, um, seen and unseen uh, in our lives. Um, God, I want to pray a special prayer of thanks for little baby Rose and for little baby Lucy. And I just pray your blessings on those two cute little babies. And also, I pray that you would be a part of all we're doing tonight on the podcast. So I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. little shout out to Lucy and Rose. All right. Okay. Yes, I know. <laughs> got to do it. Kind of, it's, it's a little bit of nepotism because <laughs> they're my buddies, but what can you do? So, okay. So, Jeho. Oh, Jehu. Rain. Getting excited. My dog, Rain, is getting very excited for us to talk about Jehu. Either that or she's really scared because um well Jehu is point, very scary. <laughs> Jehu is here's what I'm going to say. Je, because I've already seen a few biblical characters be sort of like turn into like tough guys like Noah played by uh, Russell Crowe <laughs> and just like you know what I mean like oh, I'm strong and rah, and stuff. And I'm like but you have Jehu who is like over the top. Yeah. He could be like Conan the Barbarian, but in the Bible. <laughs> and if so anybody's Conan, I would I would think it would be Samson, but Jehu gives Samson a run for his money, doesn't he? Well, not only does he give Je- well, here here's what I'm going to say. Samson is was very very strong. Jehu Sam- doesn't necessarily have the strength thing, but he does have that like stone cold killer thing going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's he so we're going to so so uh, at, until this point the two biblical figures we have discussed and some of the other ones we have yet to discuss that we have like thrown out there as ideas like you know Daniel and whoever they have all been um in my opinion uh let's just call them like you know uh wimpy milk toast uh type <laughs> uh guys who are just- Doing their best. <laughs> but now it's time for Jehu. Wish I could do like a pinch harmonic sound with my voice, but I can't. Um, so um basically what we're gonna talk about is this 
uh, I don't want to use bad words on the podcast. So I'll just say he is a bad butt dude. And um, he's a tough guy. Fair enough. He is a tough guy. And uh, one of the things is I want everyone to think about as we go through this and ask yourselves is, is he too tough? (laughs) Is he Terminator? Is he Arnold Schwarzenegger from Terminator 2 before he softens at the end? There's or is he Schwarzenegger from Terminator one, right? I'm saying, or is he even that, that Terminator? Yeah. Um, so, uh, like think about, think about Arnold Schwarzenegger at the beginning of Terminator two, he walks naked into, a a biker bar and the bikers, they make them seem like they're mean guys, but even still they're like, Hey, why is this naked Aust- Austrian guy just walking in here? And then he just proceeds to like kill them and break their hands and throw them on like a hot burner in the back Your of the clothes, restaurant. Give them to me. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so at the time, at the time, you don't oh understand that he is actually on a somewhat righteous crusade to save John Connor. Yeah. But what you're watching him do is very gruesome. So in the well, same I way. I don't agree with his tactics or his methods. <laughs> right. But I like very much what he's doing. So um, uh, let me go through a few things. This is this is my episode. We had Melchizedek was, was kind of presented by Zach and um, uh, 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 uh this one's kind of my baby, the Jehu one is. And so, um, Bob, did you do Steven? No, I did not. Naaman. Naaman. Oh, Naaman. Yeah, that's right. Naaman, yeah. Naaman, Naaman. Sorry. We kind of all collectively did Steven. Yeah, that's true. That's right. Okay, good. I was like, yeah. Bob did one too. I just, I thought yeah. it was Steven. I'm sorry. All right. So, um, so this is kind of my baby. And what's, is, what's interesting is I'm, um, I was surprised at how brutal things get. Now, as opposed to the Melchizedek kind of implications on the on the grand story, the Stephen implications, the the uh, Naaman implications, this story doesn't hit as far as the big scale unless we really dig deep on like what the story mm-hmm. means as, as opposed to like what he did. So we'll, we'll have to okay. Let's really pick it apart. So. The two things I want you guys to try and think about and pay attention to is mm-hmm. what God asks him to do, what and how he is asked, like the process of how he is asked, and then how he executes God's will and ultimately is the way that he executed God's will different than what God wanted. So just keep that in your mind because that's a question we'll have to answer at the end. All right. So who was Jehu? Who was he? Um, so first thing you got to know about Jehu is that he is mostly talked about in Second Kings 9 through 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we are going to start the story long before that. 20 years before okay um during the ministry of elijah because jehu is directly in um relation to jezebel and ahad and that story and so um the story like everyone who even non-christians know the word jezebel and uh, and know the implication of jezebel being a word that both means a person from the bible and also a hussy or something 
uh, whatever the implication <laughs> is in real world terms. Now, there is a reason why Jezebel is considered that, I think. As we read, you'll understand. But we don't have a lot of time. I want to focus more on Jehu because he is the one that is not focused on throughout yeah. this story, as opposed to Elijah, Elisha, and Jezebel and Ahab. So the first thing you got to know is that the story doesn't start in 2 Kings 9. It starts in 1 Kings 19. But before we get into any of that, I just want to give you some bullet points and some things from about him. Okay. So um, he was, by the time of 2 Kings, he was a commander in Ahad's army. And so um, Ahad is, you know, Ahad and Jezebel basically like took over Israel. And it all started with Jezebel and Ahad kind of like, uh, this is this is going to be my general thing because I don't want to spend too much time on it because we have a lot of ground to cover with Jehu. But essentially, they took over Israel by like snatching up land and killing people. And then they just kind of settled in Jezreel and did a bunch of heinous stuff. Okay. So um, if, if that's fair, if you guys want to add anything to that, you, you feel free to. But um, yeah. basically... Uh, this Jehu guy was not even a commander at the time when God tells Elijah about him. And so the first, the, the first major thing that we need to establish is that um, there is a covenant that is fulfilled in first and then in second Kings and then yeah. all the way into Hosea. Yeah. So in yeah, three different parts told about to right. Elijah. That's exactly right. So yeah. I want to have you guys read a little bit and then we'll kind of go through it. Um, and I'll come back yeah. to the bullet points we have at the top. It just seems like a better way to like kind of reveal the story and then kind of mm -hmm. reach the bullet points back. So okay. who wants to read first Kings 19, starting in verse 15 that I have there in the notes. I can be the first uh, reader for us if you want. Okay, let's do it. All right. First Kings 19, starting in verse 15. And the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. He's talking to Elijah right now. Yeah, the Lord is. Yes. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Mehola, you nice. shall anoint to be prophet in your place. So God is telling Elijah that Elisha will be the prophet that will come after him. Right. So all of yeah. these things that you guys know about what happens with Elijah and Elisha, those things do come to pass exactly as God ordains them to happen as he's telling mm -hmm. them. So sorry, go ahead. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall put Jehu to death. And or shall, one, shall Jehu put to death. Shall Jehu put to death. Sorry. There you go. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. 
Mm-hmm. So do you remember that meme I sent you all about like literally yeah. half the people in Israel and Jay who's behind <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Because he's God's literally saying like, oh, don't worry. I'll leave 7,000 left. It's the one with like, um, the undertaker comes up behind oh, yeah. the guy. Yeah. Yeah. I made that just one. like I every that. time I see that, I hear <laughs> in my head that undertaker bell. So because we have a lot of ground to cover, I, I don't want to like get too, uh, too hot into what is going on at the time of first yeah. Kings 19, but he is in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. If you guys remember. Um, so the implication of the Jezebel situation is really like um, Jezebel's tyranny causes elijah to flee yeah because elijah says to to jezebel mm-hmm. and we're going to find out because jehu actually reaffirms everything that elijah promises to jezebel later um but mm. elijah's like you're evil and like do, like yeah. hounds and dogs of hell are gonna like come and eat you because of your evil and then jezebel's like uh okay i'm done with your lip Somebody go kill him. And then he's just like, <laughs> and he like runs. Yeah. The They're so scary that Elijah runs from her. Even right. after he had that like miracle happen on Mount Carmel where he like set yeah, the he, altar on fire. Yeah. He has the, like, he has the power moment. to smote, uh, to like smote his enemies mm-hmm. who are anti God enemies. But um, Jezebel is very tyrannical and Elijah. And this is one yeah. of the reasons I actually like Elijah as a, as a, as a character in the scriptures, because if you don't know much about Elijah, but you hear a lot about him, um, you hear like the cliff notes of how he's great and strong and whatever he's devout and everything. But the humanness of him running away is very like, it it hits me in a a special way because Mm, it means that even somebody as powerful and as devout and as connected to God as Elijah still has a human aspect to him where absolutely. He, and God tells him, like, listen, dude, like, you need to you get yourself together and get yeah. back in there, bud, because yeah. well, 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 <laughs> you're well, embarrassing yourself out here. <laughs> well, 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 first, first, before he tells him that, he tells him, right. take a nap. Right. And then he wakes him up to eat something, <laughs> which, which tells you a lot because so many of, yeah. of, of the world's problems around you can be put into perspective with a little bit of sleep and a little bit of food. That's exactly right. That's very true. <laughs> Yeah. So, Bob, um, do you want to read for me Second King? So, this is going to be twenty years later. Yeah. So, um, do you want to read? Start reading for me Second Kings nine, uh, starting in verse nine. Actually, um, uh, actually, that's verse one. Sorry, but verse yes. one. Right, yeah. you're right. It's verse one. Yeah. And so, uh, and you can read uh, on through until the uh, bold section, and I will take the bold section. Gotcha. So, so one through ten uh, here, chapter yes, nine. So. Th- Then the prophet Elisha called a member of the company of prophets and said to him, Gird up your loins, take this flask of oil in your hand, and go to Ramoth-Gilead. When you arrive, look there for Jehu, son of Jehoshaphat, son of Nimshi. Go in and get him to leave his companions and take him to an inner chamber. Then take the flask of oil, pour it on his head, and say, Thus says the Lord, I anoint you king over Israel. Then open the door and flee. Do not linger. That's a, that's an interesting command that's given okay, right there. Let's but. let's stop. I guess we could stop for a second because Elisha is now fulfilling 
the um basically the covenant of that God gives to Elijah. Yeah. Elisha is now fulfilling that by sending his servant to go and and call mm-hmm. Jehu. So what's interesting I thought about this is that this is like a third or fourth like password round. You know, <laughs> so God God's like tell Jehu son of Nimshi that he's the king of Israel and Elijah's like yeah okay and then he tells Elisha and Elisha's like hey what the, tell tell Nimshi that Jehu is what and then uh, then he tells a servant so yeah I, I'm just kidding they yeah. don't they don't mix it up or anything but I'm saying it's like four or five different people so this this servant we might have to do an episode on the servant of Elisha at some point because he's an interesting guy but um anyway so Bob Please continue. Yes. Well, real quick, before we go, I found that last statement there. Then open the door and flee. Do not linger. I found that to be an interesting command there at the end of verse three. Well, Uh, I don't know if he actually does do that, but I think there's a reason why he tells them to do that. So continue to read out and you'll see. So the young man, the young prophet went to Ramoth Gilead. Uh, He arrived while while the commanders of the army were in council and he announced, I have a message for you, commander. For which, uh, for which one of us, asked Jehu, for you, commander. So Jehu got up and went inside. The young man poured the oil on his head and said to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anoint you king over the people of the Lord, over Israel. You shall strike down the house of your master Ahab, so that I may avenge, uh, so, so that I may avenge on Jezebel the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish. I will cut off from Ahab every male, bond or free, in Israel. I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and like the house of uh, Baasha, son of Ahijah. The dog shall eat Jezebel in the territory of Jezreel, and no one shall bury her. Then he opened the door and fled. So, so what's so he so he, right. so he fled. Don't like shoot the messenger. Yeah, he does flee. He does flee. He does flee. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, there's a reason why he there's a reason yeah. why he flees, and it's because. Yeah. So I want to I yeah. want everybody to yeah. think, you, you, think you, of this mental picture. You, you're the commander so, of the army over the nation. You've been entrusted by Ahab, and, and you've been received and, and been anointed as the new king. Over Israel, Israel. the position that Ahab currently has, and Mm, you're told to strike him, strike down the man who's who's trusting you to put you in charge. And so, what's (laughs) what's interesting, what's interesting about that is that if that servant had stuck around, I wonder how many of the military dudes would have just beat the crap out of him or something like. You know what I'm saying? Like, just be like, who's this loser? You know, like, oh Jehu, let's beat him up. You know, like because he's. (laughs) He's there hanging out with his other fellow like councilmen, like commander people. And so he is he is current like they are currently a part of the commander of the army of Ahab. And part of that, I believe, is I think at this point, there's not a lot of like battle happening. Um yeah. I think that they have pretty much won everything. Like everybody else is like scared in Israel to do anything about this because the armies are and I, I don't know. Um they don't give you many details about like Jehu, but I'm mm-hmm. fairly certain Jehu is somewhat is uh, like Israel born. Um, I don't know. We'll have to, I'll have to so, maybe check that out on a different episode, but yeah, um, I it, think, would be, it would be speculation to know yeah. like what his lineage is. If I'm not mistaken, cause it, it makes a comparison um, 
It says that Ahab oh, Ahab is going to be like Jeroboam. So what what was happening historically was um, Jeroboam was this king that um, caused a revolt that split the northern kingdom from the southern kingdom. This mm-hmm. was when um, it was after Solomon had passed um, and Israel split into two kingdoms. So when it says Israel, it's talking about the northern kingdom. Then the southern yeah. kingdom is Judah, which has Jerusalem in it. Um, but I think um, Jeroboam tried to go to war, like he tried to unite the north into Israel and go to war with um, with Judah. But he lost. Right. He lost really bad and was like decimated. So when it says like you're going to be like the house of Jeroboam, it's talking about this you know battle that happened several years before this point, right? So, so he's the son of Nimshi, mm-hmm. but I think truthfully, Nimshi's actually his grandfather, but they say son. Yeah. Um, well, 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 the, the, but he's the actual son of Jehoshaphat, but for some reason, even though Jehoshaphat was actually a king, um, or at least I remember, mm-hmm. I think he's a king from first Kings. They call him son of Nimshi. Well, well, and I think it, at the time it's, it's more just like, because maybe more people know who Nimshi is. Yes. That's exactly what it is. And, and, and the Jewish yeah. tradition, you refer to the son of the last great man in your lineage. So apparently Jehoshaphat was not viewed as being a great man worth being named right. after. So therefore mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it's not like that. Jehoshaphat is completely erased. It's like, 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 Nimshi is now his father. No, no, that's not what they're saying. They're saying you. This is your lineage. You you come from this great man who was under oh, yeah. this great man, and so going back. So I might be, you know, uh, Bob's son of Lehman. That doesn't mean that my my own dad didn't exist. It's my grandfather Lehman was is considered a, a great man, and so it might go back in that direction possibly. So and they yeah. call Jesus son of David. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, so, kind so, of that same reason, to, trying to equate him to a great leader in the past. So what's interesting too, and this is why I think, uh, this is why I think God is seeking out Jehu. Mm-hmm. But the, but again, this is all speculative, so I can't make any like major connections here. But Jehoshaphat was fairly devout. Like I mean, he was a pretty devout guy. Um, he was a king. He was the king of Judah. Um, the fourth king of Judah under the divided monarchy um, in first Kings. Now Mm -hmm. he tries to make alliances with the people, the Kings of Israel who at the time were like really bad, Mm -hmm. but he like, um, he, he always worships the Lord, the, the, the father Jehoshaphat does. Mm -hmm. Um, But the hearts of the people were never fully changed by him trying to do that. And so they are all pagan believers, even though he tried Um, uh, 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 so anyway, that's, that's just some interesting stuff. So, um, so anyway, we are down to, after he flees, which I think is funny because it's like, he's like, oh yeah, you're the king now. So betray everyone. And, um, the Lord's going to anoint you and you're the new king and blah, blah, blah. So if you're like, uh, if you're like humble, and you're just like not a warrior or something. You're like, what me, a king? It, it, it becomes like uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion, and you are Sean Bean's character. Like, <laughs> what? I, I am just Martin Septim, the, the uh, uh, a priest. I am not a king's <laughs> son. But if you're Jehu, who's basically like um, Gaston 
from <laughs> from Beauty and the Beast. He's like, oh, yes, I am the king. I am mighty and strong, you know. So, um, so I'm going to read from 11 to 14 and then continue a little bit to okay. get to a fun part. So after he says all that stuff, after the servant of Elisha says all that, um, Jehu, uh, so it says in verse 11, starting in verse 11 of Second uh, Kings 9, it says, uh, when Jehu came out to the servants of his master, they said to him, is all well? Which is funny because they're all like waiting to hear what this guy said. Uh, you go, why did this mad fellow come to you? Again, <laughs> can, you, can you imagine it's Gaston and the mad fellow is uh, Bell's dad? <laughs> so, <laughs> Gaston, you're the, you're the new king. <laughs> Get out of here, crazy old Maurice. <laughs> so um, he says, why did this mad fellow come to you? And he said to them, you know the fellow and his talk. Like as if he's trying to like agree with him a little bit. And they said, this, that is not true. Tell us now. Like as if he's trying to like be like, eh, come on. You know, he's just talking. He goes, thus and so he spoke to me. Basically being like, this is exactly what he said. Thus says the Lord, I anoint you king over Israel. Then in haste, every man, uh, every man of them took his garment and put it under him on the bar steps and they blew the trumpet and proclaimed jehu is king so he's got a lot of like he's got a lot of boys he's like these are my boys they back me up so if i'm king they, they're they're going along with it which is fun so here is the thing i want to cover before we go any further because this is we still have a lot to read but the one thing i want to cover is that jehu i believe and throughout the scriptures it's it's very clear he has this like natural or supernatural ability to convince people to join him and call that um, like a charisma. Like he's literally like a paladin. You know, he's got like the charisma of like 18 <laughs> in, in the D&D stats. And so uh, I'm trying to think there's plenty of characters like from folklore and movies and stuff that emulate this guy. But he's he's already really respected because he's a commander, you know. And so a big part of his thing is that he's already kind of like a tough dude. And now somebody's saying like, no, 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 no. God has ordained you King. And I don't know if he is totally on board with the Lord until this point, because obviously he is serving in Ahab's army and they are a bunch of ball believers and stuff, mm -hmm. which will come into play later because Jehu, I don't think was fully like, he wasn't fully like immersed in the Holy spirit or anything. He just kind of is like taking direction from what he assumes is actually God. And it is, but like, imagine you're a guy who just hasn't ever really believed in God or anything, or at the very least, you know about God and all of that stuff, but you decided to, to serve Ahab and like the ball worshipers. So now you're like, all right, cool. That's neat. So going on. So, we are at the precipice of his brutality, okay? So for everybody who wants to maybe turn a blind ear or eye to the next little bit, this is the uh, the brutal stuff we're about to talk about okay. where he goes on a like a red-blooded rampage <laughs> across Israel and across parts of Judah. But mostly he centers around Jezreel, and Jezreel is a very important focal point for the story. And so, again, I ask, 
that everybody who's listening, pay attention to the brutality and, and ask yourselves, is he going too far? Is he doing exactly what God has required him to do? Because all God knows is what Bob said, which is his servant said. All all that Jehu knows is is all. All that. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. I got mixed up. All that Jehu knows is thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. I anoint you king over the people of the Lord over Israel, and you shall strike down the house of Ahab, your master, so that I may avenge on Jezebel, the blood of my servants, the prophets and the blood of all the servants of the Lord. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off from Ahab every male, bond or free, in Israel. And I will make the house of Ahab like a house of Jeroboam, the son of, you know, he's, and dogs shall eat Jezebel. So he gives him that. He just says, wipe every single one of Ahab's descendants out mm-hmm. and make Jezebel die, and the dogs will eat her. And so then, he, then and that's the, that's the message he gives him. And he's like, okay, that's what I'm going to do then. And I'm I'm I got God backing me up. Thus saith the Lord. Let's do this. So, um, starting in verse fourteen, Zach, will you take fourteen through twenty? All right. The title of this is Jehu assassinates, uh, assassinates. Joram assassinates Joram and Asiya yeah. or whatever name is. He just goes on a rampage. Let's Thus go. Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, conspired against Joram. Now Joram, with all Israel, had been on guard at night at Ramoth-Gilead against Haziel, king of Syria. But King Joram had returned to be healed in Jezreel of the wounds that the Syrians had given him. When he fought Haziel, king of Syria, so Jesus said, if this is your decision, or Jehu, sorry. So Jehu said... If this is your decision, then let no one slip out of the city to go and tell the news in Jezreel. Then Jehu mounted his chariots and went to Jezreel, for Joram lay there, and Ahaziah, king of Judah, had come down to visit Joram. Now the watchman... Oh, okay. Sorry, one second. Jezreel is like the focal point for all these... Mm -hmm. Like, so they keep coming to Jezreel, and at at this moment, ha- uh, Hazael, just as it was prophesied, was like fighting on behalf of like the Syrians and stuff. Yeah, but the uh, and leading the Syrians, but the Syrians were not able to get these guys, and so Jehu is like coming in, just as it was, just as it was proclaimed by God that this would happen. Mm-hmm. And so Jezreel is also the focal point later for Jezebel and for a bunch of other people. But currently, the one guy. Um, Joram, I believe, is not doing well from the war. Like he got hurt by Hazael, and now he's like chilling out in Jezreel trying to recuperate. Sorry, go ahead, Zach. Continue. Yeah, and also where they're at in in Jezreel is a very becomes later a very famous valley, which we'll That's talk right. about later. But uh, there's another name for Jezreel, and it's Megiddo, which you may have heard before. Yeah. Um. So verse seventeen. Now the watchman was standing on the tower in Jezreel, and he saw the company of Jehu as he came and said, I see a company. And Joram said, take a horseman and send to meet them and let him say, is it peace? So a man on horseback went to meet him and said, thus says the king, is it peace? 
He's basically saying, like, yeah. do you come in peace? Like, yeah. what are you doing? Here? Are you are you here to come in peace and hang out or destroy us? <laughs> right. Because he even even before he did a whole lot of damage, like the following of him has already got like a small army. So they like they came on chariots like ready to fight. And yeah. like the the leader of Judah, like the king of Judah and this other guy, Joram, who is, I believe, related to He's either the brother of Ahad or he is the brother of Jezebel or something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, continue. Yeah. It reminds me of, have you seen um, the outlaw Josie Wales? I've not <laughs> seen that, but I've, I've heard, I've heard about the, the, uh, yeah, there's like Clint Eastwood is in it and he talks to this uh, native American dude whose name is 10 bears. And then it's like, <laughs> Oh, we're going to like go to war with like the Cowboys here or like, and then they like come out and it's like, will it be death or will it be peace? And 10 bears right. says it shall be peace. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 10 bears. You're such a stalker. <laughs> so yeah. So uh, Jay, who's talking to 10 bears here, the horseman. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> this is how he responds to him. He says, he, and Jehu says, peace, peace. This is Sparta. <laughs> Kicks <laughs> Yeah, so many like BA movies that we could like, I know. just I know. relate to this. Um, but this is what Jehu says. He goes, "What what do you have to do with peace? Turn around and ride behind me." And the watchman reported, saying, "The messenger reached them, but he is not coming back." Again, that magnetism. He just <laughs> recruited the messenger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess I'm in this army now. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not kidding. He did that. He was just like, "What do you do? What do you have to do with peace? Get behind me, and we'll yeah. go and ride them down." And he's just like, "Um, okay, <laughs> like, give me a sword. <laughs> this will be fun." <laughs> so then it says, uh, "Then he sent out a second horseman who came to them and said, Thus the king has said, Is it peace?'" And Jehu answered, "What do you have to do with peace?'" Turn around and ride behind me. Again, the watchman reported. He reached them, but he is not coming back. And the driving is like the driving of Jehu, the son of Nimshi, for he drives furiously. It's meaning like it looks like they're ready to go, like ready to kill you. Yeah. Like the, like and RSV says, for he drives like a maniac. <laughs> I love it. Already, like, already we've got this image of him and he's just like, like i am i am a killer i'm coming to kill you so he drives um, furiously like he's from ohio (laughs) (laughs) so so, um so so i i truly believe that the kind of magnetism that he has is both like a thing from him but also a thing from god because yeah the 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 amount like that's what i said that's why i said i think it might be a supernatural ability that he is he has cultivated because he's got his bros and he's a commander but suddenly people who were literally just serving as ahab's like people are like (coughs) fighting with him now there are there are some reasons why that may or may not be happening Mm -hmm. um one of them might be that ahab's servants are people of Israel who don't want to serve Ahab, but have no choice. And then once they have the, the, the choice to like fight against him for a, like a strong adversary, they will, or maybe they 
maybe he's just a super like charismatic magnetic personality and they just like that. But I also think that God is like really like uh, giving him like my thing is that he doesn't really like stammer. He just kind of says like, get behind me and we'll fight together. And they're like, all right, yeah, let's do it. And so it's like, it's <laughs> he inspired like, it's such like, confidence with his speech. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> you, you know that they can take our lives, but they will never take our freedom. So, um, so, okay. I'm going to read on uh, starting in verse 21. Cause it gets crazy. This is, I, I wrote something in the notes I won't repeat, but this is one of those like action movie parts like Troy or um, whatever, like some some kind of like battlefield thing like Lord of the Rings. But it's or uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so but it is yeah. not this day. Yes. The, right. So uh, try and picture the scene in your mind because it's because it's really interesting. So Joram said, make ready. And they made and they made ready his his chariot. So like the the messengers go to him and don't come back, right? And so he's not sure what's going on, but it, at this point he still doesn't think like bad stuff is going to happen. Like he thinks like okay, maybe he's just here but like what's going on? So Joram goes out on his chariot to meet um Jehu to find out what's going on. So Right. At this point, you have the king of Israel and the king of Judah both there at the same time. Mm-hmm. Perfect for Je- perfect for the reaping. Reap the whirlwind. So um, he <laughs> so he comes out to meet him in his chariot and Joram and Ahaziah meet him in his chariot. And it says in each in his chariot and went to meet Jehu and met him at the property of Naboth, the Jezreelite. So they go to like a person's house, basically. It's like a meeting place. And when Joram saw Jehu, he said, is it peace, Jehu? Because they know him. He's their commander. And he answered, what peace can there be so long as the whorings and the sorceries of your mother, Jezebel, are so many? (laughs) (laughs) Then Joram reigned about and fled, saying to Ahaziah, "Uh, treachery, oh, Ahaziah. So as soon as he says that, like, you know, you know, uh, uh, rage drooling from his lips. Uh, <laughs> and Jehu drew his bow with his full strength and shot Joram between the shoulders so that the arrow pierced his heart and he sank in his chariot. So basically he's like there with his army. They realize he's means business. They try and run and he like snipes them and kills the <laughs> kills um, uh, uh, Joram uh, in his own chariot while it's moving. And then moving on, it says, Jehu said to Bidkar, his aide, take him up and throw him on the plot of ground belonging to Naboth the Jezreelite, so at the house of the person. For remember, when you and I rode side by side behind Ahab, his father, how the Lord made this pronouncement against him. As surely as I saw yesterday the blood of Naboth and the blood of his sons, declares the Lord, I will repay you on this plot of ground. Now, therefore, take him up and throw him on the plot of ground in accordance with the word of the Lord, which it does say earlier. So he's all of his little like actions that he's doing. He's realizing he's like fulfilling prophecy. And I'm not sure if he knows it before he does it. But as he's mm-hmm. doing it, he's like kind of realizing he's fulfilling prophecy. So when Ahaziah, the king of Judah, saw this, saw his his buddy Jor- Joram get sniped. And then they just threw his body on like a, like a, 
plot of dirt. He fled in the direction of Beth Hagen and Jehu pursued him and said, shoot him also. And they shot him in the chariot at the uh, uh, ascent of Gur, which is by Ibliam. And he fled to Megiddo and died there. His servants carried him in a chariot to Jerusalem and buried him in his tomb with his fathers in the city of David. So what's interesting is God doesn't have a prophecy about um, Ahaziah. He just had a prophecy about Joram. Um, so this other guy, Ahaziah, kind of gets gets the chance to be buried. And if we know from culture, like, how important it is to have, like, a burial and a tomb. Yeah. So that, like, sometimes if that does happen, then your name gets remembered. And then sometimes they name the city after you or mm-hmm. whatever. And you, your, your lineage carries on. And everybody's like, oh, look at this famous guy. So these people that God did not want that to happen to were, like, d- disrespectfully killed. So he disrespectfully kills Joram, and then he also kills Ahaziah, but his servants get his body away to Jerusalem. And then it says in verse 29, in the 11th year of Joram, the son of Ahab, Ahaziah began to reign over Judah. So um, I'm kind of confused about the uh, timeline of why it says it there, but I assume that what they're doing is is kind of giving you a brief maybe footnote about like who Ahaziah was because we just talked about him. Mm-hmm. So because Ahaziah died, they obviously mm-hmm. can't have ruled after that. So I'm guessing that they're saying that like, um, I'm guessing they're saying that whatever. So I don't know. Uh, you know, this is not about Ahaziah. It's about Jehu going on a rampage. So um, let's stop here for now. Cause I want to talk to you guys about, I have a few questions for you all. Okay. So, has Jehu done anything against God's will? Thus far, I don't believe so. It, it, Zach? I mean, that, that seems to be the command he was given. He is fulfilling the command that was given, it seems like. Yeah. Zach, has he done anything over the line? Has he stepped over the line? Um, I don't know, but I do believe that at this point, it looks like God is using him as an instrument of judgment. Right. Towards you know, um, Zach, Ahab and Jezebel. You know, Zach, God is a God of peace. Um, <laughs> Not the but, Old Testament God, right? But as I say, God is a God of peace. I also have to say, what peace can there be what? so long as the whorings the and whorings. the sorceries of your mother Jezebel are so many? The whorings <laughs> must be stopped. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, Thus saith the Lord, <laughs> the whorings of the sorceries of your mother Jezebel are so many. Well, those so are really she's got a reputation for that being, God hates. Right. So he, she, she, we already know has got a reputation for being this like whore and a, I guess a, a ball like sorceress. Yeah. Which is what scared Elijah. I think is that she was so well, didn't ball yeah. have like prophetesses. Like a lot of the pagan religions did yes. where like, yeah. you know, there'd be these women and they were priestesses, but they were also prostitutes because part of the ritual Trying of the religion. <laughs> yeah, it was, well, it was like, um, it was like prostitution that right. happened in worship to Baal. That's like exactly that was, right. Yeah. So we, um, so I want to keep us moving cause I know we have a lot of ground to cover. So Bob, why don't you hit us with verse 30 there and we'll talk about Jezebel's. Uh, 
extremely brutal and like over the top death. That is also a crazy story, like turning point. Thing. Gotcha. When Jehu came to Je- uh, to Jezreel, uh, Jezebel heard of it. She painted her eyes and adorned her head and looked out the window. As Jehu entered the gate, she said, "Is it peace, Zimri, murderer of your master?" Pause. So before you continue, mm-hmm. she knows that he's a traitor already. She's heard about his exploits. Oh, I'm sure. We're, we're said, like that's going to spread fast. Zim, Zimri. Do yeah. you guys know what the word Zimri means? Zim, so, yeah, uh, Zimri looks like it was a, a name that she's referring to him as. So um, what's interesting is Zimri is a name that means – praiseworthy or like like hmm. worthy of like musical praise oh interesting interesting so um so i think what she is trying i think she is sarcastically trying to say that he is like praised for all of his exploits like people are singing songs about him but he is a murderer of his master so i think it's like a play on words sort of gotcha because from what I understand of the word Zimri, it's a name that means, you know, musically praised or praiseworthy mm. or worthy of praise. And so she's heard of his exploits up until this point, and she put on makeup and tried to make herself look hot for him. So <laughs> she is, she pokes her head out the window and she's like, hey, hey, look at me. I'm, you know, got paint, I got makeup on, blah, blah, blah. So, Bob, continue. Verse 32. This is where things get yes. crazy. He looked up to the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? Two or three eunuchs looked out at him. He said, throw her down. So they threw her down. Some of her blood splattered on the wall and on the horses which trampled on her. Wow, that is brutal. <laughs> um, so again, his power to be like, who's my friend? <laughs> like People are like, oh, yeah. us, we'll be your friend. <laughs> yes. Then he went in and ate and drank and said, see, that, see to that cursed woman and, uh, and bury her, for she is a king's daughter. But when they were... Mm-hmm. Is there a problem with what you just said? Think about that. Well, I, I think that went against the command that he was given. It technically yeah. is because it technically is because the prophecy says from the servant Elijah, uh, from the servant of Elisha, excuse me, said, um, uh, and the dog shall eat Jezebel in the territory of Jezreel and none shall bury her. Mm. So, mm. so again, let me just reiter- reiterate though that yeah, I don't believe verse that, ten. Okay, uh, but I don't believe that he has. I, I don't think at the time when all this crazy stuff's going on that he is really thinking about all that. He's just kind of like very focused minded on all this crazy stuff that he's doing. That, that, that's quite probable. It's kind of like with things like I don't. He's. It's, it's, I don't think he's actively trying to. Uh, not follow the commands here, right? I think he's just. I think. I think he's just like. I need to kill all these people and take over Israel. I'm the king, you know, and I'm. This is God's telling me to do this. So, but if you continue to read on, yeah, the, we as we'll see whether or not the prophecy is actually fulfilled. Yeah. Or not. See so to continue. that cursed woman and bury her, for she is a king's daughter. But when they went to bury her, they found no more than her skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. Uh, when they came back and told him, he said. This is the word of the Lord, which he spoke by the servant Elijah, uh, the, the Tishbite. In the territory of Jezreel, the dog shall eat the flesh of Jez, uh, Jezebel. The corpse of Jezebel shall be like 
dung on the field in the territory of Jezreel uh, so that no one can say this is Jezebel. So, so, so he is realizing that even beyond his own like abilities mm-hmm. that, that the prophecies are being fulfilled. That's, that's yeah. why I believe that also the other thing where they threw his body on top of the, uh, cause remember when he assassinates the guy, he, he shoots, um, Joram. Mm-hmm. They just yeah. happen to have met in the exact city that was prophesied to be the city that he was to leave him on. Cause he says, yeah. um, cause he says, um, when he kills him, uh, what is uh, how the Lord has made this pronouncement against him. As surely as I saw you yesterday, the blood of Naboth and the blood of his sons declares the Lord, I will repay you on this plot of ground. So Jehu, I think is versed enough in the scriptures to understand what's happening. And I think as he's doing his crazy stuff, he is realizing that he is fulfilling prophecy that God has laid out, whether or not he is actively trying to do that or not, it's happening as God had foretold it to happen. Sure. Sure. And as such, um, because Jezebel was eaten in that way, even though she was a King's daughter and because she was so famous at that point, you would, you would imagine if she did get buried, that she would somehow have these like followers that would come along and be like, Ooh, she was like a, our, our leader and mm-hmm. somehow give her like a, a second wind of, of, of rebellion in Israel or something. And so by, by her getting swallowed up like that, like her memory is like erased from history and except for the Bible, of course, but erased do, you get, do you get what I'm trying from existence? <laughs> erased from existence. So, um, <laughs> yeah, Je- a, a young like teenage Jezebel is looking at a picture of herself right now and it's just disappeared. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> um, so what's crazy about that? So I've highlighted these like crazy moments where like the story takes a crazy turn. Mm-hmm. Now, let's look again. The eunuchs just are up there with her, like they're yeah. like hanging out with with Jezebel, and she is like super tyrannical and evil, and and is like sorceress and also a whore, I guess, uh, from a lot of aspects, as, as the Bible says it. And the people that are up there are eunuchs. So if you can imagine, she has servants that have been, you know what, and mm-hmm. uh, but Eunuched. they may or may. <laughs> Yeah, eunuchs, <laughs> but they may or may not be servants of the Lord who are just put in a bad situation. So when Jehu says like, who is on my side? Like he says, yeah. you know, like do he says like uh, two or three eunuchs that just pop their head out the window and obey his command. So I start, it's like the more you read this, the more you listen to the story, the more you think that it's supernatural. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think okay. like if, if she truly was that oppressive and tyrannical that totally makes sense because you know you can have people that are servants or like you know kind of in the administration that she's running or whatever and they don't they're not really believers in it they're just kind of oppressed but then it's like pretty easy to like push them over the edge to like do something crazy like throw her out of her window (laughs) Uh, there's like a there's like a proverb or something that says um oppression makes a man go mad you know yeah. it's like it yeah, kind of drives true. you crazy and so like that's you know where like probably some of this is coming from they're like they're waiting right. for somebody like jehu to come along probably and like inspire them to like rise up so so <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, you're, you're right because yeah. um elijah 
was around 20 years before this mm-hmm. and Elijah was led away and she had been doing crazy stuff ever since then. So this is like 20 plus years of tyranny. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. you know, this is when God usually shows up is when times like this happen. And so, yeah. we'll, you know, you'll see that throughout the old Testament, all the way leading up to the gospel. You'll just see like bad armies come in and wipe out the people who are trying to turn people away from God. And then God's people are there. And then over time they start to believe in bad stuff again. And then they set another bad army. And so um, right now, yeah, right now they're dealing with the, uh, uh, I guess some, these are Sumerians of some, some form or fashion, but also I thought Jezebel and Ahad were somehow sort of Jew. I don't know. Anyway, we don't have They're time to go northern into their Northern Kingdom. I don't. Yeah. I don't think they had been calling it like uh, Samaria yet, because that's not until well, after um, the Babylonian captivity and all that, the Assyrian captivity, see, and then the Babylonian one. You will see but, in a, yeah. in the next little thing. I'll I'll go ahead and read this. Um, I'm going to try and go quickly through this next little bit. Okay, mm-hmm. there is important stuff in here, but I want to like I want to like rush through because we don't have a lot of time, and I want to finish out talking about some of the implications so okay i'm gonna read uh about jehu and what how he slaughters ahab's descendants <laughs> so here we go now ahab had 70 sons in samaria so jehu wrote letters and sent them to samaria to the rulers of the city to the elders and to the guardians of the sons of ahab so imagine this you're sending letters to the guardians and elders of the people who are serving the sons of Ahab. They're, they're like most trusted advisors and stuff. Okay. And he sends the letters to them and says, now then, as soon as this letter comes to you, seeing your master's sons are with you and there are with your, you chariots and horses, fortified cities also and weapons. Mm-hmm. Select the best and fittest of your master's sons and set him on his father's throne and fight your master's house. So he's saying in the letter, betray these sons and kill them, Mm -hmm. even though you are the guardians of them. And so they, but they are exceedingly afraid and they say, behold, the two kings could not stand before him. How then can we stand? Saying like, we've we've tried to rise up it didn't work why do why do you think that we could stand any chance we're just like guards and stuff so he who was over the palace and who was over the city together with the elders and the guardians sent to jehu another letter saying we are your servants and we will do all that you tell us we will not make anyone king do whatever is good in your eyes and then he wrote them a second letter saying if you are on my side and if you are ready to obey me, take the heads of your master's sons and come to me in Jezreel tomorrow at this time. So they kind of are like hesitant and they're like, you can do whatever you want. We'll kind of like stand with you, but we're not really sure we'll do anything. And he's like, no, I need you to like personally go and kill these master's sons. So now the king's sons, 70 persons were with the great men of the city who were bringing them up. And as soon as the letter came to them, they took the king's sons and slaughtered them 70 persons and put their heads in baskets and sent them to him in Jezreel. When the messenger came and told him they had brought the heads of the, the, of the King's sons, he said, lay them in two heaps at the entrance of the gate until the morning. So just with letters, 
just with letters, he was able to get all these people to betray them and kill them. <laughs> and what's interesting is that magnetism goes like further and further throughout this. Like he is just very convincing. If any of you, uh, if either one of you have played any games like um, Romance of the Three Kingdoms or any games where you are basically a leader of a nation and you're warring, mm-hmm. um, there is like aspects where you can do like diplomacy or like Civ does that too. Uh, so basically, he's like the most uh, magnetic diplomatic war like guy ever. <laughs> he's like every aspect of a of a war leader that you could possibly want. He is like Sun Tzu or something at this point. He's like turn around and kill your own masters. Like I'm not sure. And he's like, yes, you are sure. You'll do this. And they're like, okay. <laughs> they just kill him and put their heads in baskets. So um, at this point. He's killed um, both the kings of of Judah and of Israel. He's killed Jezebel. He's killed, let's see, who else? Yeah. So he's killed the major figureheads. Then he starts killing all of their sons. Right. The people. Now he's going to um, kill some more people. And this will be interesting, too. You guys will probably start to feel a little more grotesque feelings now. Then in the morning, when he went out, this is starting in verse nine. Um, Chat, then in the morning, chapter he, 10, verse nine. Gotcha. Mm-hmm, chapter 10, verse nine. Then in the morning, when he went out, he stood and said to all the people, you are innocent. It was I who conspired against my master and killed him. But you, but who struck down all these know then that there shall fall to the earth. Nothing of the word of the Lord, which the word spoke concerning the house of Ahab, for the Lord has done what he said by his servant, Elijah. So Jehu struck down all who remained of the house of Ahab in Jezreel, <laughs> all his great men and his close friends and his priests until he left him none remaining. So what I think is interesting, if I'm understanding the story correctly, now you guys could correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he gets the masters and servants and guards to kill the sons. Then they show up and then he says, now you'll die too and kills them. <laughs> pretty sure that's what happens. Well, 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 first he says to all the people, you are innocent. It was I who conspired. Um, know, know then that, they, that there shall fall to the earth nothing of the word of the Lord. Which the Lord spoke concerning Ahab. So if you call uh, all who are left in the house. So, yeah, so he's telling the people well, as, as they're looking at these heaps of these 70 heads in a basket. He's saying all y'all, you, you, he looks at the, all the people and say, like, you know what? You're, you're innocent. You're fine. They, I am responsible for this. Just know that this is what the Lord commanded. And then he went and had Ahab's, anyone associated right, so with he, them basically, then then right. killed. Yeah. So, so, um, <laughs> So well, basically, he's just starts slaughtering left and right. Anybody associated with Ahab. So then, he set out uh, and went to Samaria. On the way, this one's this was just kind of like an afterthought, or he just like, oh, yo, do you know? Do you know this guy who mm-hmm. uh, God didn't like? Okay. So he said that he set out and went to Samaria. On the way, when he was at Bethakid, Bethek, Bethakid, yeah, of the shepherds. Jehu met the relatives of Ahaziah, king of Judah. Uh-oh, you already killed that guy, and you don't like him. So um, I don't know if this is what's supposed to happen, because at this point, God said, get rid of all the descendants of 
of Ahab, but this is uh, Ahaziah's descendants and relatives. And he's, and he says, who are you? And they answered, we are the relatives of Ahaziah. And we came down to visit the royal princes and the sons of the queen mother. So he's, they're talking about Ahad's children and Jezebel. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And he says, he says, take them alive. So it's like, oh, they're going to be, they're going to be uh, captured maybe. And they took them alive and slaughtered them at the pit of Bethakid, 42 persons. And he spared none of them. So we're like over, we're like well over a hundred. Not or just more the people men, now. but the women <laughs> and the and children. The children. Too. <laughs> I hate them. They're animals. <laughs> I slaughtered them like animals. All right. So when he departed from there, he met Jehonadab, the son of Rechab, coming to meet him. And he greeted him and said, is your heart true to my heart as mine is to yours? And Jehonadab answered, it is. Jehu said, if it is, give me your hand. So now he's got like a companion warrior guy. So this, I'm telling you, it's like, it's like Conan or something, but so he's like, uh, you know, we're friends. Jehonadab <laughs> is your heart to mine as mine is to yours. And he's like, it is okay. He's like, Come up in my chariot. <laughs> the, the DM, uh, says, okay, Jehu, you're uh, traveling down the road and you meet, um, this guy, he's, um, uh, I roll diplomacy. Yeah, his name is uh, oh, Jay Nat Kunada. twenty. Okay. Uh, <laughs> wow, there's a lot of Nat twenties like, on diplomacy. Or it's like today. you know that a new player comes on. Yeah, that's week. right. It's, it's a like, new player. Oh, and so his. Well, what's your character's name? Oh, it's a uh, Jehonadab. Oh, Jehonadab, you seem trustworthy. Um, join our party. Yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. So um, <laughs> he, he says, "Come with me." He says, "He says." Uh, so he gave him his hand, and Jehu took him up with him into his chariot, and he said, "Come with me and see my zeal for the Lord." <laughs> so, <laughs> that's how he like brags about being a warrior guy. So he and he had him ride in his chariot, and when he came to Samaria, he struck down all who remained to Ahab in Samaria till he had wiped them out according to the word of the Lord that he spoke to Elijah. So this reaffirms my opinion that he, he had the guards and all the people that were like loyal to Ahab kill the sons. And then I think he also just killed them too. Like he just killed anybody associated with Ahab yeah. in any way. So I'm, I'm, I don't know if, I don't know if he discriminated or not. This is why I'm, the reason I'm bringing all this up is because later we're going to hear about Hosea and about how he mm-hmm. was possibly judged for his deeds. So, I'm just going to finish out real quick because, uh, like I said, we're running out of time. Yeah. So Jehu strikes down the pro- – okay, so here's here's a really dastardly thing that he does. Now, it's still for God because God told him to do it, but listen to this story. It is nuts. So then Jehu assembled all the people and said to them – so I guess he's still in Samaria. Yes, yes. Um, and the people of Baal – the believers of Baal are still there. So he's got, like, a lot of people up there in the north, and he says to them, Ahab served Baal a little, <laughs> like he wasn't a, enough of a worshiper, but Jehu, speaking to himself in the third person, will serve him much. Now, therefore, call to me all the prophets of Baal, all his worshipers, and all his priests. Let none be missing, for I have a great sacrifice to offer to Baal. Whoever is missing shall not live. So he's saying... Every ball worshiper come right now because I have decided I am throwing in with ball and I'm like a ball worshiper. Now, how dumb do you have to be to believe that? Because you just killed everybody. Of well, 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 
but but here's the thing though here's the thing until that point he was sort of a ball worshiper because he was fighting on behalf of ahab so no yeah he, maybe he, they don't know for exactly sure. exactly they, they know he's on a rampage but they may not maybe understand all, maybe why. All, right maybe all it was was him just trying to take over yeah yeah. He's in, yeah right exactly which probably was not too uncommon so anyway they he's saying to everyone in the city, get all the ball worshipers. I love ball now. You just wait to see the sacrifice <laughs> I'm gonna do. Ahab was lame, he didn't even know what ball worship looked like. And so <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like, I am I am the freaking uh I am the Kenneth Copeland of ball worship. <laughs> Let's <Kenneth>. go. <laughs> We're gonna pack this stadium out. We're gonna I'll the blow best. the wind of ball. <laughs> blow the wind of ball. So Jehu did it. We're going to have so, a mega says, like a ball conference. That's right. Yeah. So he says, and it says after he says all of that, he, it says the, the, the next sentence is, but Jehu did it with cunning in order to destroy the worshipers of ball. <laughs> Gee, no duh. And Jehu ordered sanctify a solemn assembly for a ball. So he's using that kind of language to get them all be like, Ooh, maybe he is. So they proclaimed it. And Jehu sent throughout all Israel, all the worshipers of Baal came, so that there was not one man left who did not come. And they entered the house of Baal, and the house of Baal was filled from one end to the other. And he said to him who was in charge of the wardrobe, bring out the vestments for all the worshipers of Baal. So he brought out the vestments for them. Then Jehu went into the house of Baal with Jehunadab, his bro, the son of Rechab, and he said to the worshipers of Baal, search and see that there is no servant of the Lord among you, but only the worshipers of Baal. See, this is important. I think that he is trying to do the right thing. He's on a blood, he's like on a, uh, he's blood drunk, <laughs> like the 300. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but he still tries to make sure he doesn't kill any people who believe in the Lord. So sure. he's, he's just, um, but only the worshipers of Baal. Then they went in to offer sacrifices and burnt offerings. So, He's locked them in this big chamber and they're all doing this crazy like ball worship assembly. Now Jehu had stationed 80 men outside and said, the man who allows any of those whom I give into the hands, into your hands to escape shall forfeit his life. So he's saying, if you let any of these guys escape, I will kill you myself. And so the point of this was that he was brutal to the ball worshipers, brutal to his own men. Brutal to anybody associated with, with people that God said were bad. Because he's like, who are you? Oh, we're just uh, relatives of the Ahaziah guy. And he's like, take them. <laughs> he kills them all. So so he is even saying to his own men, if you let any of these guys escape, you will forfeit your own life. So as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, Jehu said to the guard and to the officers, go in and strike them down. Let no man escape. So when they put them to the sword, the guard and the officers cast them down and went into the inner room of the house of Baal. And they brought out the pillar that was in the house of Baal and burnt it. And they demolished the pillar of Baal and demolished the house of Baal and made it a latrine to this day. A lot of toilet humor in this time. <laughs> a latrine. Yeah, Jezebel will be the droppings of dogs yeah. all over Jezreel. Yeah. <laughs> so no one will know she is Jezebel. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, he is just a, he's just a cold, like, BA guy, dude. He's just like, none shall live if one of them escapes. He's like, he's literally Darth Vader at this point. 
<laughs> he's like, you are in charge now, Admiral Piet. <laughs> well, to, to, to be fair, this is not the first time we've seen these commands come from the Lord saying, let no, no one I'm, survive. Yeah. Not okay, women, not the children, not even the, the livestock. Destroy it right. all. God saying, I want none of it. I mean, th- th- that's why Saul was removed from his throne because he didn't destroy it all. He yeah. took back yeah. some for the Lord, he says. Yeah. But Samuel removes him from the throne um, for that for that reason, because he did not follow right. the, law, the, the, law, the law of the Lord to the T. And so mm-hmm. here we, had, we we got Jehu saying, no, I, my command is to strike down all ball yeah. worshippers. Yep. So I'm going to do it. And if you're going to try God to let them go, that. then I'm going to strike you down because that means you're supporting the ball worshippers and I won't have any of that. Mm-hmm. Right. So and, it, and it, God it does seems, command that of him. Yes, it seems brutal. It seems yeah. even Darth Vaderish, but this is the commandment of the Lord nonetheless. There's yes, a concept right. in the scripture. Um, it's described by this Hebrew word. It's called harem. And it basically right. means um, like it's the word literally can be translated to like any item that is under a ban. So like. <laughs> It's yeah. literally means like God has banned this people. And so it's, it really means like God's judgment has come down and it's time for like, um, you know, like the Canaanites, mm. uh, yeah. you know, when Joshua was supposed to conquer them, they were under the ban, you know, God has judged them and now he's using, you know, a nation to come in and like wipe them out. Sure. Um, and that's what God does a lot of the times in the old Testament, it's really crazy. He'll use um, like an army or something yeah. to come in and issue this judgment. Yes. But and, and, you and don't in this have case, to it is, you know, I am, I am purifying my people is what yeah. it boils down to. But God so, doesn't even always use like the most holy and righteous people, which is what we're going to kind of see. You know, right. he uses like Babylon to judge Judah because they come in and, and take over and like wipe out Israel and take them into captivity. But Babylon is a nation that's, you know, anti God, but God is still using them as like issuers of his judgment. So it's really, really interesting. Well, what's, well, this to me is very significant. The fact that Jehu is chosen because Jehu yeah. is a, I'm fairly certain is a, is a Jewish descent yeah. because of his father, Jehoshaphat, who was a King of Israel and stuff or King of Judah, excuse me. But, um, uh, th- he's from the area. He's not like an outside army person. Sure. Or right. At least yeah. not in his birth. Um, but then also he is a servant of Ahab at the beginning and like totally betrays him because he's trying to fulfill this creed of the Lord. Now to me, this is how I see Jehu in his mentality. He's like basically realizing that everything that like is foretold by God is like happening so he's kind of just like riding the wave in a lot yeah. of ways. Oh, yeah. Because he's like, but, but I think that he knows enough about the prophecies that he is fulfilling to be able to, to, to speak them out when they happen. And it's almost like, I don't know, it's almost like, you know, you, well, if, if he, again, it's right. If, if he's a servant of the Lord, which, I mean, he, 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 he clearly knows enough to be to understand the scriptures. He says, "Watch my zeal for the Lord." Yes, exactly. And so, so if he's a servant of the Lord, then he's aware of who the the prophets of the Lord are, and he is aware of the prophecies that have been that that, that have been stated against his leaders. And so, I am I am sure that that, that the prophecies of Elijah 
are well versed throughout most of of the followers of God. It's kind of like one of the things yeah. that you know so when someone is high profile as Elijah or Elisha in this in, in, in this case um, says something, people know. People are going to learn about it. It's, it's one of the things. It's it's almost like politics and with, with the news. You know, people know what people what 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 other mm-hmm. leaders are going to be saying. Yeah, and it gets it gets propagated pretty quickly. You, they may not have cable news then, but it's still going to get around. It was all word of mouth. So okay, so we we have seen the like crazy stuff that he did. Mm-hmm. He, he slaughtered. He basically tricked all the ball worshippers into one area, <laughs> and then like killed, slaughtered them all. He slaughtered the descendants of all of Ahab's and Jezebel's, uh, you know, descendants and, and mm-hmm. sons and. Whoever, and then Ahaziah as well got caught, got caught in the crossfire, and that died as well. So, and all the ball worshippers. Now, if you know, uh, and I'm, I think there is a prophecy about the ball worshippers, but it is not the prophecy that was given to Jehu. I think that if he wanted to, he could have like tacked it on that God would soon, you know, destroy the the, the followers of Baal, but. Um, but that's not one of the things that was told to him in, in, in uh, Second Kings. Mm-hmm. It, uh, all it says is, "You shall strike down the house of Ahab your master, so that I may avenge Jezebel, the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off Ahab every male born of free in Israel. Mm-hmm. I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, the son of ne- Nebet, mm-hmm. uh, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah." And the dog shall eat Jezebel. Uh, nobody shall bear here. So, um, so Jeroboam um, also was punished, and um, you know Ahab is now being punished, and so the punishment is coming from Jehu, and he has delivered. He has killed maybe more than he should have. So hmm. I don't know if that's true or not. Like it depends on how God saw his you know, righteous rage, okay. however you want to say that. So uh, we're going to talk now about the implications because we're now at the part where it talks about Jehu's reign in Israel. Thus Jehu wiped out Baal from Israel, but Jehu did not turn aside from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebet, which he made Israel to sin. That is the golden calves that were in Bethel and in Dan. So even though he did all of this stuff, he does not turn away from sinful idols like the golden calf. So if you can imagine it, it's um, his buddy uh, who he grabbed up and and said, hey, come with me. What's his name? Uh, uh, Jehonadab? Mm-hmm. It'd be like if Jehonadab mm-hmm. was like, push the golden calf into the fire. Destroy, Destroy it. it. No. <laughs> and he says, no, <laughs> <laughs> which then set a bad force of events <laughs> for the future. So he doesn't he doesn't turn away from that stuff. And I think a big part of that is that Jehu was was maybe not fully. What do you want to say? Yoked? Not. I don't mean that. But like he wasn't fu- he he wasn't 100 uh, percent committed. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't like touched um, with the Holy Spirit. You know, he wasn't he wasn't a guy that. He was, was just a guy who was called in the right place and had the right, you know, yeah. talent so for God to I think, use him in that situation. I think God was use God was using him and helping him, but I also think that God was was just using him in terms of his like human 
like warrior spirit, but um, he kind of, he, and I don't think God is saying like, I knew you would turn away, but I think that God realizes that even though he used him, that he's not a super devout guy. And yeah. Well, like imagine this, like imagine if somebody was like really skilled at something ministry related, you know, like music or, right. or speaking or something. And they said to themselves, like, I'm going to let God use my ability here. I'm willing to like give this to God, but I'm not going to just, you know, be obedient to God with the whole rest of my life. Yeah. You know, I'm going to have, I'm going to keep sinning, you know, that's, that's, that's where we're at. That's, this is, this is when the big implications for the future happen Mm -hmm. because he says, the Lord says to Jehu, even though he knows that Jehu is like that, he says to Jehu, because you have done well in carrying out what is right in my eyes, and have done to the house of Ahab according to all that was in my heart. Your sons of the fourth generation shall sit on the throne of Israel. But Jehu was not careful to walk in the law of the Lord and the God of Israel with all of his heart. He did not turn from the sins of Jeroboam, which he made Israel to sin. So it is implying that because he didn't like stand against those sinful things, Israel began to sin again yeah. because they were okay with the golden calf too. And then it says in those days, the Lord began to cut off parts of Israel. Haziel defeated them throughout the territory of Israel from the Jordan eastward, all the land of Gilead and the Gadites and um, the Reubenites and the Manassites uh, and so on and so forth. Um, now the rest of the acts of Jehu and all that he did and all his might are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? Question mark. So Jehu slept with his fathers and they buried him in Samaria. And Jeho has his son reigned in his place. The time that Jehu reigned over Israel in Samaria was 28 years. So I did some research and he reigned from 842 BC to 815 BC. And then every one of his descendants reigned for four up until the fourth generation of him. Hmm. So um, it was, you're going to find out that his fourth generation also committed sinful stuff with the golden calf. Like, so his action to, to not turn away from the golden calf stuff and the Jeroboam stuff, sin stuff is ultimately what caused his fourth generation descendant to, um, get basically offed and taken out of power. Mm. So I'll read, I guess I'll, I'll read Hosea last because we'll, we'll talk about that, but I'll read second Kings 15 really quick. Starting in verse eight, it says in the, in the 38th year of Azariah, King of Judah, Zechariah, the son of Jeroboam reigned over Israel in Samaria six months. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord as his father had done. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebet, which he made Israel to sin. Shalom, the son of Jabesh, conspired against him and struck him down at Ibliam and put him to death and reigned in his place. Now the rest of the deeds of Zechariah, behold, they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. This was the promise of the Lord that he gave to Jehu. Your son shall sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. Mm -hmm. And so it came to pass. So, 
what's interesting is Zechariah is the fourth and final gen- generation of the the of sitting on the throne of Israel, and again he was just as bad with 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 worshiping bad stuff as mm-hmm. Jehu and Jehu's son was just as bad. And it's then like a generational right. sin at this point. That's exactly right. Yeah. And what's interesting is that God lets his four generations of his, of his uh, descendants rule, but he knows that he that's promised. coming, but he does, but he does give that to him because of, of his obedience. So I, I it's a really, I'm really torn on, where we're at with that. But it does say this is the final nail in the coffin for Jehu because it talks about this. And this is like an implication about maybe Jehu being used, but also Jehu sort of what he was used for. His actions might've still been very sinful, but I don't know. So let's, let's see what Hosea one starting verse four says. And the Lord said to him, call, call his name Jezreel. We know that city now. For in just a little while, I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day, I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And so Hmm. what I believe is going on with this is that he had commanded Jehu to do his thing, which he did, and he awards him. But... um. Maybe he was too brutal. Yeah. Blood of Jezreel. Yeah. Um, well, and, and, and also maybe because Jehu's descendants yeah. are not doing what they're supposed to be doing, they're going to end that line, that lineage because of that. Colin is yes. uh, he. So this is talking about one of the names for one of his sons, right? Hosea's one of Hosea's sons children. Yes. Cause that was the thing that prophets would do is they would, and like, uh, cause you see Isaiah do this too. Um, they'll name their sons certain names and it will mean something. Um, I kind of have some thoughts on this now that I'm kind of seeing the whole context. I thought you would. I Um, thought you would. (laughs) So, you know, if you know the story of Hosea, God calls him to be married to a prostitute, right? And to have children and who have children. would not be good. Like, yeah, it would be bad children. And yes. it's both, it's both somewhat allegorical yeah. and it's legit. It, it legitimately happened, but God does it to demonstrate what his relationship with Israel is like. Right. Right. Because mm-hmm. Israel, even though they're supposed to be basically, God's bride on earth, you know, they've been like an unfaithful wife and God still loves them. Um, but you know, their sin is so bad. It's like being a whore behind your husband's back. Um, Yes. That's what, that's how bad Israel is. And so I'm kind of thinking that like all these names for these kids, you know, one of them being Jezreel, it would be like us, you know, naming a kid like Gettysburg or, um, you know, Auschwitz, Auschwitz or something. Or something. Yeah. 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 Just name them after just like a terrible atrocity, you know, bloody atrocity or bloody right. battle um, to kind of show like how we've gone astray. And so it's interesting to parallel there um, Jehu with Israel itself, because Jehu um, did what God commanded and took action 
Jehu was like being led by God, but then also would not give up sin and fell into idolatry. And that's exactly what Israel did. (laughs) God had a plan for Israel to be like this nation, like a city on a hill. The Bible describes it. And um, Israel has gone astray, even though like at one point they were following God's will. um, They also wanted to do their own thing. And we see this like over and over and over again. It's a pattern of pattern of sin that can't be broken until Jesus comes. Um, And so I think that's what Jose is kind of trying to teach us about, you know, and he's bringing up this story of Jezreel to say like, you know, you Israel, even though you fought for God, there's still blood on your hands because you are still sinful. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's the ultimate implication. I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, There's, there's a a final kind of like lesson. There's like two big questions I want to ask and then we should probably wrap up because this was a long story. I know the episode's going to go kind of long this time, but um, going to what you said, Zach, about um, not being obedient in your life, but kind Mm -hmm. of like doing what God asks you to do. Yeah. Um, So that's a, this is Jehu is a prime example of that, but the rippling effects of him not turning away from sin affects Israel to its core. Mm-hmm. which is because he is the king of Israel right. and then his son and then his son's son and then his son's son's son all the way down. Mm-hmm. They all continue to worship like golden calf idols and sin and stuff. And so if you are Israel and you are happy that Jezebel and Ahab have been thwarted or whatever, um, you've got to be like, Oh, that's great. That's awesome. But then again, Jehu, once he's on the throne, doesn't, there's no golden age because once he's on the throne, he just kind of resorts back to the old sin stuff. So, um, yeah, are the worshipers of Baal gone? Yes, they are, but you still have the golden calf. And mm-hmm. the golden calf is sort of like its own thing. And you're kind of replacing he, one false god with another. Right. And, yep. and so I wonder, uh, this is a stretch. Um, but I wonder if the blood of Jezreel, as it says in Hosea, is sort of like wasted blood, <laughs> like as if he mm. killed all those people, but it still didn't make a difference, um, hmm. in terms of like the long, like the long game, you know? So it's, it's definitely something to think about. Well, so, when you think so, about like the somebody's blood atoning you know like fixing the problem like he went right. and there was all this bloodshed he killed all these and he killed the guilty parties you know but did yeah, it fix right. everything no like what is there any bloodshed mentioned in the bible that actually can fix the problem of sin well there's only one right the only exactly righteous right. person who ever lived jesus and so it's interesting like how many right. times the old testament illustrates this point that like no matter what we do we can't get out of this sin problem by ourselves right absolutely so, so um what it what it says is that um jehu was not careful to walk in the law of the lord the uh the god of israel with all his heart um, and then it says, the, so it says this about his descendants too, but it says, uh, when they did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, 
which made Israel to sin. Yeah. So I think that the point is, it's like, yeah, you, you stopped them, but now you're making Israel sin again because you're the mm-hmm. leader and you're cool with all of this stuff. Whereas, whereas there are other leaders who fought very hard to, to sort of eradicate sin. And I read this thing online in one of the articles about Jehu that had he continued to be this like upright um, person who would stand against sin, had that, had he continued to be that person and just continued on, he might've completely eradicated any kind of idol, uh, idol worship all, like th- for, throughout Israel completely. Mm-hmm. The, the, the reason it springs back up is because of him. Like because of him not standing against it, mm. but he wipes out every worshiper of Baal. Think about that. So, if every worshiper of Baal is gone and there's no other worshippers except for people who are loyal to God, and then you are like, okay, they're all gone, but I'm gonna worship a golden calf. Then you're you you are the problem. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, oh that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right. So, um, ultimately, that that is that's what tears things down. And I want to say this last thing, which is a, which is a, you know, we always talk about like the grand message implication. So I truly believe this to be true. Like, I think, I think this is a true statement, but it's very controversial. So I'm going to say it, but I'm going to break it down a little bit. I believe that it would have been impossible for Jehu to be righteous in this moment. And I'll tell Mm -hmm. you why. If he was, we wouldn't have needed Jesus. Like if, if Jehu, if Jehu was successful and just became like this righteous guy or, you know, and there are, there are leaders who are righteous and stuff, but eventually sin creeps back in right one way or the mm-hmm. other. So if Jehu being as charismatic as he is like to be able to just have people just like, just flock to his banner, you know, like they'll just at, at, at the writing of a letter, they will cut off their own master's head. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for Jehu, all he had to do was be like, "You will never worship anything but the Lord." And you know what? Maybe all of Israel would have just been like, "Dude, this guy ain't messing around." We're falling in line. Says. He's, you know, like, he's got a point. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he could say, "If any of you do not worship the Lord, you will sacrifice your lives." And then it would have been like, "Oh gosh, no, not like the ball thing." So, um. <laughs> Basically, what I'm saying is I think that these kinds of stories are stories of showing God's wrath and, and all of that. And they're very important, especially for the fact that um, God actually brings Jehu in because Jezebel and Ahab kill his, kill God's prophets. There's a lot of prophets yeah. that go down during the time of Elijah that they killed. Mm-hmm. And God literally says, like, I will, like... I will cut them off. And like, he's like, I'm going to avenge them. Like this is what he says. You shall strike down the house of Ahab, your master, so that I may avenge on Jezebel, the blood Mm. of my servants, the prophets. So like, this is one of those things where God was like, I'm taking this personal, you know, it's, and, and he's, he's, he's getting this like really tough, like bloodthirsty dude to do his deeds. I mean, there's nobody better than Jehu to wipe out an entire, like, half of the population as you can see because he he did it with ease just about um so basically that's all i have for for this um a lot to think about in terms of like what does this mean in terms of like 
the kingdom yeah. story. I would say the kingdom story is that nothing will like prevent sin from like creeping back in except for, um, except for the grand story of Jesus and, uh, the final, like, I, th- I think this is, this is what, it's kind of, it's is, a lot like judges. Yeah. Is what it seems what does like the Joker me. say? What does the Joker say? He says, okay. Yeah. If I was going to tell you that, you know, uh, if I was going to tell you that, uh, this guy went and killed a bunch of people, everybody is fine with it. Cause it's, you know, part of the plan. Basically, yeah, Jehu, Jehu falling back into sin is part of the plan mm-hmm. for God. But yeah. if I tell you that all sin will be eradicated, everybody loses their minds. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah. so, so that's my my take on it is that Jehu did what God wanted him to do, but Jehu also, in a way, fulfilled another prophecy for down the road, which was that sin will prevail until uh, God's work is finished. Yes. There's only one like perfect blood that covers all that. That's right. Yeah. All right, boys. What'd you think of this brutal tale? (laughs) Yeah. It was action packed. It was wild. (laughs) It's action packed. Can you believe that this guy does not get more attention in movies? I mean, I'm just thinking to myself, like if you want an action star, don't take Noah. Take this guy. Who (laughs) would be cast as Jay who? Um, right now, Jason Momoa. Oh yeah. No, he's a bad dude. <laughs> no yeah. no yeah, doubt in my mind. Yeah. I mean, if, just do the long hair, just make him look like, uh, the Khaleesi guy from yeah. Game of Thrones or whatever. Yeah. You got it. My, my, yeah, you're all set. my first Maybe reaction. minus the guy liner a little bit. Yeah. No eyeliner, but he's just like, what do you want servant? <laughs> oh, I was meant to tell you that you're the new king of Israel. Be gone. You know, these servants talk and he's like spitting like Turkey out of his mouth and drinking mead and stuff. <laughs> My initial reaction wasn't Jason Momoa, but more like the Liam Neeson, but Liam Neeson is too chill. Definitely. You need someone more charismatic that, I mean, like I said, yeah. that, that was my go-to reaction, but I, I, I but I rescind on that pretty quickly. Just he, he doesn't have the he doesn't have the right charisma to pull to pull this off. Definitely need somebody who can do a, like a mean mug and do like a yelling face. You know, you could probably have done like Mel Gibson back in the day, maybe. But yeah. Um. So anyway, all right. It was a lot of fun covering Jehu. He's got a lot. I'm sorry we, it took us so long to get through all of the scripture, but all of his exploits just kind of add to the brutalness. So I didn't want to leave anything out. Um, and then, you know, of course, because of all the brutalness, maybe, or maybe not, that wasn't, see, that was the question I wanted to ask the audience is, did he go too far? Did he not go far enough? (laughs) I think ultimately he got a little too human, Mm -hmm. which is what we all do. And, um, at this time he gave into those, you know, those sins that he wasn't supposed to. And also he kind of, he had zeal for the Lord. I will say that. He wasn't, yes, he was very, he, did. he, he, yeah. he, he wasn't wrong about that, but he did not surrender every part of his life to the Lord, but yet God right. still did really great things through him. But in the end he fell um, right. to his own sin and his own proclivities. Right. Um, so it's interesting the way that the kingdom works like that, because God uses people, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're completely right with God. So absolutely, absolutely. You need Jesus to cover you. So, 
Yes, we do. So, all right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Sorry this one went a little bit uh, longer than normal. Um, We appreciate you guys checking us out on, uh, you know, all the places you get your podcast. Check us out on Patreon as well. Check out our gaming live stream series. uh, And, uh, yeah, yeah, we got to get episode two and three up. I'll I'll, I'll work on that soon. Awesome. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time. Peace. Or is it peace? <laughs> How can there be peace? How can there be peace? When your mother <laughs> worries <laughs> and sorceries. <laughs> All right. <laughs>